Welcome to Funding Quest, where our quest is to help you find the best funding for your business. I'm your host, Byron Allen, and today we're sitting down with Michael Wetnight, the president of First American Commercial Lending and the co-founder and CEO of Next Phase. Join us now in this first episode of a two-part series, where Michael will be laying out the different types of loan opportunities for borrowers. Today we are excited to have Michael Wetnight with us. Michael is the president of First American Commercial Lending and the co-founder and CEO of Next Phase, which is an outsourced accounting and CFO services company. And so we'll look forward to, to hearing more about uh, those. And the reason we have Michael with us today is he's got a, a very unique business of uh, that, that his set of experience and knowledge allows him to provide value to business owners that I, I haven't seen with others. He has the combination of being a mortgage broker and having a, a career's experience there, as well as being able to uh, provide the accounting and CFO and tax assistance work for businesses that He's, he's found that, that ability to marry those two services together to provide a really valuable package that I just think is, is phenomenal in helping business owners figure out where, where they are, what they're lacking, what they need to do to get the best financing possible for them long term. And so we're going to learn a lot more about that. <laughs> so I'm really excited to have you, Michael. Thank you for joining us. Well, it's great to be here. So. I gave a, a little bit of a, a, an introduction there, but tell us, tell us more and share with the audience uh, your kind of road to where you are now and, and how you've developed this suite of services you provide. Sure. Well, I started out, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, and I worked at Honeywell for 20 years, and I was, went through corporate and took every, all kinds of training that I could take it through corporate from got my black belt in Six Sigma, lean management, helped design product lines, just did a little bit of everything in the corporate environment. Um, but I also have invented products, I've had my own service-oriented businesses, and what I've found is I, I got into um, financing where I was doing some consulting for an equipment leasing company, and I got to know all the bankers in the Valley and and here in the Southwest, and um, they would say, Michael, I, I love how you take care of our customers, but I don't know this. Um, I have a customer that needs these services. So what I, what I found is I've developed a, a very broad um, or a, a understanding of how business works from top to bottom, is how you start it, how you manage it, um, the commercial financing aspect of it. And then the critical part is, is the keeping your books. You have to have good books. You have to tie out on a monthly basis. You want to be proactive instead of reactive. Um, having said that, I, I've got into, uh, as I mentioned, getting to know all the bankers. Um, I've gotten to know how the banks underwrite, underwrite uh, their customers and understand the parameters for what it takes to get financing and, and know how to help people. So. So you did help us understand, like my understanding is you were 
you've had experience actually being a mortgage broker, mm -hmm. right? And so you've got a mortgage broker company that provides a variety of, help, helps them get the variety of loans. And we're gonna talk about that in just a minute. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then how did you decide to start your next phase company to provide these services? Tell us how that kind of evolved. Sure. So I would say out of all of the customers I've ever worked with, I'm, I'm kind of a data geek, so I, I, I track everything. And I found about 65 to 67% of all of my customers, they're, a, they, they're an expert at a product or service, but the accounting side's like, whoa, that's what kind of would hold them back and as far as trying to get good financing. And what I, what I found is that uh, um, I, I worked, and how I, I got into doing the next phase or, or starting next phase was, my business partner is a brilliant mind, one of the most brilliant minds in turnaround specialists and accounting and CFO um, services that I have ever met here in the Valley. And um, when I met her, I, I was working with a company that uh, breached their line of covenants with a, a current bank for their line of credit, giving an example. And I came on board to try to get them a hard money loan to get them a, a little cushion to keep going. They had hired her about the same time and um, she came in as the CFO, totally turned the company around, and within six months got them bankable for a $2.5 million line of credit. And I saw what she put together, and it was a, a beautiful plan. It had a layout of the narrative of the company. It, it went through the financial analysis, projections, and it was just laid out to something that I'd never seen before, and I thought to myself, my customers, the people that I work with, could utilize this information. If they had somebody that could come in and help them with this, they would. It would. It would be a game changer for a lot of companies. So we put together a company to try to to um, put something like that together for them to help represent them to to lenders or to banks or to help grow their business and and plan and strategize. So that's that's kind of how we we started that. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So you talked about your experience with working with bankers and learning mm -hmm. how they underwrite things. So share with us how you view like the different types of or tiers, perhaps the different tiers or types of bank loans or, or real estate financing that's available for business owners. So as I as I work with my customers, one of the things that I like to do is I like to educate them. And the first thing that I would do is, and if you go to a typical bank, they're gonna have one or two products that they're gonna try to put you in. And if you don't fit in that, that space, then they're, they're probably gonna tell you, well, we're not interested in doing this or you're, you know, we're not gonna be able to get it done. But what, I, what I'll do is uh, I put the banks into four different tiers. And the first tier, I, I put the uh, Wells Fargo's and the Bank of America's and the Chase banks, they're in that big tier. They're the big, they're the big, the big industry, the big companies out there as far as banking goes. But for all intents and purposes, a perfect peg has to fit a perfect hole for them to be able to do something for you. So usually they're, they're uh, and I'll give you an example of these, the banks and the lenders that you, lending opportunities you have in those tiers, but and as an example, someone that would fit uh, Chase or the Bank of America or Wells are some of the bigger companies, the people that have been in business for two to 10 years that are doing very well, that have um, the trajectory of gross revenues, you know, going off the charts and, and doing very well, well, they have some pretty good financing for them. And, and they're typically, they can do anything up to, you know, $100 million 
as far as loan loan growth goes, or or, or applying for loans. Uh, the second tier banks are, I call them the wannabe Wells and Chases and Bank of Americas, and those are more regional banks, maybe like uh, Alliance Bank or Midfirst Bank or some Bank of the West or some banks like that that offer, are a little more customer service oriented, but they also um, have some niches for, um, you know, some customers, especially here in the, in the state of Arizona, because with we have mostly, we have over 400,000 mom-pop shop type businesses here. You know, we're, they're not, you know, maybe gross revenue is anywhere from 500,000 to 40 million. They're, you know, they would have products for them and every once in a while they'll have a product that uh, meets a niche for them or they'll have a promotion that will compete with the big guys. Um, and then there's a third tier bank or lenders that I call more oh, like community banks. Um, you know, they might have anywhere from one to 30 branches. They might be in one state, they might be in a couple states, and they might be privately owned, but they're more, more apt to doing things. They're gonna be more of a relationship type bank. And what they'll do for you is, once they get to know you and develop a relationship with you, they'd be more apt to, to giving you a line of credit or maybe financing for equipment or something like that. Their rates probably aren't gonna be as competitive as the, the big guys, but they're gonna be more flexible and they're gonna be more of a good relationship type bank. And, a, and another example is, uh, like when we went through a downturn in 2007, 2009, the big banks overnight, mark to market, your property value could have went down 50%. And I had several customers that that happened to them. Never missed a payment, but overnight, the loan that they had on, this, on their commercial property was now worth, on paper, half of what it was the day before. So the big banks would just go out and try to call the note. Whereas the smaller banks or the more relationship type banks, what they'd done with their customers is they would help restructure that loan to maybe do an interest only loan for a while until they got back on their feet or give them a cushion to keep them going instead of just throwing the lever and, and knocking them out. So the relationship type banks are, um, I, I think a good opportunity for um, small to mid-sized businesses to start um, I always, I always kind of instruct my business owners that it's good to have a diversity in your banking relationship. Maybe you have a big one in a more of a relationship type bank that can help you with some of the other things that the other one can't. And there's the, I, the fourth tier of lenders or banks that I call more transactional lenders. And those are, there's about four or five in the valley. And what they focus on is they'll do uh, SBA 7A owner-occupied type properties. And what they'll do is, if you can't quite um, meet the qualifying criteria that the typical banks are looking for, then they will actually utilize, you can utilize projections to kind of get you to those qualifying ratios. Um, as, I, as I tell people, the more you add layers of risk to whatever you're trying to accomplish to the financing process, if you're trying to get a loan, um, I, I used to run three branches of uh, mortgage residential real estate for, uh, um, Russ Lyon back in the day, and I used to tell my customers they would advertise par at maybe it was, you know, 4.5 or 3 or whatever. But what would happen is every time you add risk, say the customer's FICA score is less than 720, 720, then you add an eighth. If they were putting the minimum down, you add a quarter. So you kept adding to the rate, you kept adding, you know, the more you add risk to not being to service that new debt or that new loan, usually the higher the rate is. 
Um, so that kind of goes in. When I look at the banks and I look at the different products and the tiers of lending, I look at them as products and a step to get you to where you need to be. So that fourth tier that I mentioned do all type, well do my primarily 7A type products. Um, they're going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, I'll give you an example. I have some companies that uh, maybe you're a startup. So I'll back up a little bit and talk about the difference between the two types of financing. So one of them is, you know, you got your straight up conventional financing and then you have SBA type products that you can utilize. Um, the conventional financing, most banks are going to be looking for, um, you need to be in business at least two years, a um, couple of years of tax returns under your belt. They're going to look for debt to service qualifying ratios of 1.2 for owner occupied. They're going to be one of seeing financial um, profits, you know, escalating or growing. Um, and you're probably going to be putting at least 20% down on a property. Um, you can amortize it up to 20, 25, 20 or 25 years. Um, fixed rates are usually anywhere from five years to 10 years to some will do 15. I've seen some credit unions will even fix it for 25, but it's kind of rare. Um, a lot of the banks aren't fixing credit rates long-term because they know rates are probably going to go up, so they don't want to get locked into a, a long-term lower interest fixed rate. Um, but having said that, then you've got the, the second group of lending, and that's the SBA type lending. And there's two products. There's a 7A and a 504. And the, the opportunity for the 7A um, for my customers is you can put as little as 10% down, um, the same amortization up to 20, 25 years. Um, the banks like an SBA product because the SBA takes a lot of the risk out of it because um, they'll take second lien position on that product and they'll, they'll guarantee it for a certain percentage. So that's an opportunity. And then, I, then after the, uh, the fourth tier lenders that I, I talked about, you'll get into some different types of opportunities like uh, hard money lending. And hard money lending traditionally is anywhere from 8 to 11%, maybe a couple points. It's going to be a shorter term financing and, and you're going to have to put a little bit more money down than you would with a typical bank loan. But it is an excellent product to get someone to that next level and I'll give you an example. Let's say you've got, a, and I've got several of these, we've got a trucking logistics company that started out, they've been in business a little over a year. Um, they're getting ready to do a tax return, but they don't have enough historical numbers or data to get the, the, the banks comfortable with what they're trying to accomplish. And they're growing rapidly. Banks usually don't like people growing really swiftly. So there's an opportunity for them because they can't, they're, they're Growth is stunted because they need to uh, need a bigger facility. So they need a place to park their trucks. They need a, a bigger yard. They need a bigger bigger space. Um, and they know that they can grow if they had that bigger space. So it makes sense to go get a hard money loan that's a little bit more expensive than maybe a traditional banking, but it gets them to that next step. So that gets them their property. Now they can go get established. Now they can work on growing growing their revenues and get another year or two of tax returns under their belt. Now they can take out that hard money loan with a more traditional type type product through one of the one of the banks or a, another SBA type lender. So that's that's an example of how you would utilize the hard money lending. And you know, one of the reasons I'm here with you is uh, on the not so hard money lending. You you offer some really attractive rates and terms and 
um, work very well with the customers and provide that special niche to help them get to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So that's a great recap. I love I love the way you summarized those different tiers of, of banking. Um, do you want to share perhaps what are some of the qualifications for the different tiers of lending and in situations where a business owner may not qualify for one, but they'll qualify for another? How do you work through those qualifications to help a client find the right loan opportunity? That, that's a good question because most often I'm referred customers from someone else that knows someone or maybe they got turned down by a, a bank or a lender. And I'll get on the phone with them and I'll, I'll, I'll discuss with them um, what they have going on, what they're trying to accomplish. And, and I'll find out that uh, they might think that they can't qualify for an SBA loan because their bank turned them down. Or another bank told them, no, we can't do this, we're not interested. Well. One of the things that you have to realize is all the banks are federally, federally regulated, but they all have their own internal restrictions. They have uh, you know, their deposit to loan relationships, they have their portfolio, maybe they're too high on that, in, or too you know, loaded up on that industry, and they don't want any more auto shops or restaurants or things like that, or they're, they're done with owner, or, uh, non-owner occupied investment type properties. So then they, they tighten the clamps on that underwriting and they don't really, tell the customer why they turned them down or what they need to do or what level of financing they can get into. They just tell them they're not interested or not, they're not going to be able to do it. What, what really needs to happen is they need, someone needs to sit down with them and, and take a look at what they, take a look at their financials, what they're trying to accomplish, and then figure out which of those niches of those banks that they, they most likely would fit and they would have the most success to get financing. Um, so for example, you know, for owner-occupied, one of the big things is they always want you to be in business for at least two years. And two years usually means a couple of tax returns under your belt and, and good financials, you know, your P&L, your balance sheet, and good financial statements to support those. Um, if you don't have that information, that's probably gonna knock you out of the first two or three tiers and even out of conventional financing if you don't have those. So that's going to push you more down the road down to some of these um, other alternative products that might be a little more expensive or um, just it's, it's a stepping stone to get you back up the, up the chain to get you where you need to be. Some of the other issues that you run into is maybe you don't quite debt service the new loan. Maybe you have good credit, maybe you've been in business for a couple years. I have this happen quite often that you know, they're, they're stifled because they don't have enough space. Or I have a customer that's got in a retail center that has four different bays that they've leased, but they're not all together. And it's very inefficient and not a good way to run their business. And if they could get into a bigger space, consolidate all of it, they'd be more efficient, recognize more savings, and grow their business. Um, I've seen that, I've, I've got two of those right now. Hmm. And then on the uh, trucking logistics, anybody that has any kind of transport or anything like that, they're looking for space to, to keep their equipment. So when, what ends up happening is they either um, have to rent or lease yards or different places and that's just super expensive. So if they had a product to get them to where they needed to be um, to get them over that hump, that they, then they could. Um, some other issues that come up are maybe past, uh, bankruptcies or maybe 
a tax lien or something that they don't quite have a workout plan for yet that the banks don't like. Um, you know, there's a there's a level of of how everything's underwritten, and any again, anytime you add risk, it's going to be a little more expensive to get something done. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the top tier banks, they're going to be looking for everything's the all the T's have to be crossed, the dot I's have to be dotted. Two years minimum in business. You're going to have to debt service 1.2. You're going to have to have um, escalating, you know, income. Um, if you don't have those or, and have good credit, you know, FICO's in the, you know, six, 60s and above usually. Um, if you fall out of that window, then you kind of go down the different tiers of lenders and, and opportunities. But those are definitely things you can work on and, and once you utilize one of the other products to get you to over that hump, then, then you can get that next step. Thank you. Excellent. Michael Wetnight walked us through several different loan tiers. My key takeaways from this conversation is that there are almost always loan options for business owners. If you can't qualify for a loan at the top tier with a big name bank, there are other avenues out there for you to explore. And those avenues are what this podcast is all about. Thank you for joining us on our funding quest. We will see you next time for the second part of our conversation with Michael.